Blog Talk Radio.
Bring your friends. Bring your family. Just bring it. Pocono style. The Pocono 400, May 31st through June 2nd. Get your NASCAR tickets today at PoconoRaceway.com. Three, two, one. The Firekeepers Casino 400, Sunday, June 9th at Michigan International Speedway. NASCAR's most entertaining track. There's tons to do with the whole family, like camping, live music, fireworks, and more. Tickets for as low as $39. Admission for kids under 12 is half price with a free pit pass, courtesy of Henry Ford Allegiance Health. Michigan International Speedway. You don't get it until you get here. Visit MISpeedway.com for tickets. This is NASCAR driver Brad Keselowski, and you're listening to the Pit Stop Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Good morning from the Man Cave here at the Pit Stop Radio LLC. I'm Tim Despain, alongside SpeedwayDigest.com, Mr. Stephen Wilson. He's right outside of Richmond. Um, the number to call in is 215-383-3681. Again, I'm Tim Despain. Just, the way the crow flies south of this 2.66-mile monster, Talladega Super Speedway. Stephen, how you doing this evening, brother? I'm doing fairly well, trying to get off from the long weekend down in uh, Charlotte. Yeah, you and I was fortunate enough to be there at Charlotte Motor Speedway for the 60th running of the Coke Zero. Look, not the Coke Zero, the Coca-Cola 600. I keep getting all that mixed up. Yeah, but uh, it was hot there too, Steve. I know uh, I had mentioned, you know, I did we did we did the show. I was in Texas last week. Then had to come home and then fly up, fly up to Charlotte right there around you and you and AM come down and all that. But uh, I think we've seen probably, Stephen, one of the best races I've seen on a mile-and-a-half track in a long time there. The Xfinity race was good. The Cup race was good. It was hot. but And uh, Marcus Smith and Bruton, they put on one hell of a show with that uh, 600 miles of remembrance. But, I mean, uh, just what was one of your big takes out of the, out of the weekend besides all the uh, spectacle stuff going on around there? You know, Joe Gibbs racing, they had a... They had issues with the right front. I don't know if they had camber issues or what, but overall, some of the best racing I've seen in a long time, Steve. Yeah, it was really good racing there there this past weekend in both the Xfinity Series race and the Cup Series uh, Cook Call 600. Um, yeah, you, you talked a little bit about the, the tire issues. Mostly it seemed to be confined to Toyota. Uh, that had uh, issues with their cars. Um, you know, there were various issues. Um, so, uh, one of my biggest takeaways was this is that the racing is definitely improving at these mile and a half racetracks. Um, I think we went through a stretch of time where, uh, you know, there was, uh, you know, a lot of people just didn't care for the racing at these mile and a half racetracks, and a lot of people looked at these races and said, well, I'm just not going to bother, uh, I'm not going to bother watching them anymore. But the combination of the new package that NASCAR has been working on over the last season or so, and Marcus and SMI going out there and running the tire dragon, plus playing some PJ1, some other things down at that racetrack, 
it really has um, improved the racing overall. Uh, we have 30, I think, I don't remember, 39 um, lead cha uh, 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 lead changes um, throughout the race, um, which was an improvement over the previous year. Um, we saw more quality passing throughout the track, or throughout the, the field on the track itself. And, um, you know, we're, we're just seeing racing improving overall at these mile and a half racetracks. So I just think that, you know, when we start looking at some of these things, that just racing is, uh, is, is a lot better. And we're seeing racing really improve um, at these racetracks. So it was a competitive race. I think we saw one of the most competitive races in a long time uh, at at uh, Charlotte. And, uh, you know, hopefully in the future this is going to continue. Now we're going to go to Kentucky in a couple of weeks. It'll be another similar style intermediate racetrack underneath the lights. Um, we've seen competitive racing there in the past when they went with this low, low downforce package. We saw a lot of passing out there, and hopefully as NASCAR continues to tweak this package, we'll continue to see, um, you know, uh, the racing that we saw this past weekend in the Coca-Cola 600 and also 300. And, Stephen, we had a lot of racing this weekend. As our listeners probably know, uh, Memorial Day weekend, uh, you go to Monaco, you go to Indy, then you come to Charlotte for the 600, which is the uh, sanctioned body's longest race of the year. And, Stephen, some of the cars that were good early were not good late. And do you think that would be a count for – I know Charlotte Motor Speedway put the PJ1 down, and the drivers always talked about that PJ1 wearing out, but a lot of drivers went on up higher, like Kyle, Kyle Larson loved to run right up against the wall. But, like I said, some of these drivers were good early on. And then later on in the race, like Brad Keselowski, which I know he had he had his his issues. And I looked up one time, Joe Logano, another Penske car there, was right there up in the top, I don't know, two or three, and all of a sudden next thing you know, he's back in twentieth. Uh just talk about what do you do you think the weather with the heat early on uh made a significant change in some of the some of the drivers set up before we went to darkness? Yeah, it, it um, uh, I mean, it, yes, it did. There was there was a lot of change. We we ran, um, you know, we ran practice in the daytime in the middle, you know, in the morning. I think about eight thirty or something like that in the morning. Then we ran the race at just after six o'clock at night. So, yes, yeah, so I think these cars had been set up for those practice sessions and the qualifying sessions. Um, was uh, held at nighttime, closer to the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, closer to the uh, race time. So I think some of these teams that set up for the practice or qualifying, uh, you know, missed the mark to some degree. And you know, the teams that were good throughout the race, like the Martin Truex Jr., that you know he came back from a penalty and uh, was able to climb himself up to ninth place uh, in a very short amount of time before uh, a caution came out. So it really was, um, it really was, um, you know, 
it really was a combination of several different things. But overall, I think I'm fine with it. I'm fine with the way that um, it uh, it went. And I think that, you know, going forward, these teams, as they gather more notes on this package, will continue to make the racing more exciting. And, um, you know, there's always going to be teams out there that are going to look for that qualifying setup or that practice setup and, you know, not necessarily a long run setup for the race. And, you know, they've got 600 miles, something like 11 or 12 pit stops to make their cars right. And I think that's what, you know, these teams were looking at in the fact of, well, uh, we had 12, 11, 12, whatever number of pit stops that we can make and adjust on this car throughout a five-hour race. So, um, you know, it, you saw the teams that came to the cream, be, be the cream of the crop, and you saw the teams that struggled all night long with that. And, Stephen, from your perspective, uh, you covered the race from the press box there at Spartanburg Speedway. Myself covered the race from the media center. I was down there with the action. You was up there where you could actually see. Did the PJ1... I, think, I don't know if I asked you this, but I mentioned the PJ1 earlier. Did the PJ1, did everybody try to drive through that? I mean, they were, uh, rather than going down to the bottom, which I know I've seen cars down on the bottom from the TV set there in the, in the media center there at Sharpmark Speedway. But from your perspective, once that PJ1 wore out, did, did the cars want to go up fuller to the wall? And also, were from what I've seen, they were more, more bunched up than I've ever seen on a mile-and-a-half track. Yeah, the the cars throughout the entire race were they were racing in multiple groups. Um, you know, we, we've seen in the past in these races where there's maybe a group, maybe a group and a half. Um, but there was multiple instances where we saw them a full lap later coming off at of turn four, three and four wide. And this was something that we were seeing all the way down the back stretch. We were watching this for multiple laps at the time. So, yeah, I mean, these, these cars were all over the racetrack, and that's exactly what we're looking for is get cars out of a single groove running all nose to tail as a conveyor belt around the track and get them and force them into, you know, running two and three or three and four rod. And I think it's exciting. I think a lot of us saw the exciting factors of running three and four rod wide through at, uh, uh, Charlotte this past week, and I'm sure a lot of us probably – we're on the edge of our seats, probably biting our lips, you know, fingertips, whatever the case may be, because there was some very, very exciting racing all the way around the racetrack. Dave, hey, let's talk a little bit about the 38th running of the ASCO 300 there at Charlotte Motor Speedway for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Christopher Bale set on the pole with a time of 29.298. 184.313 miles an hour, but he didn't win it. Your winner come from uh, the second row, Tyler Reddick there, and tamed the beast Chevrolet. He qualified at 29.639, a speed of 182.192. And, Stephen, let's, uh, I want to get your uh, get your take before we play this media center audio from uh, Tyler Reddick there and Crew Chief Burnett and Richard Childers. The Xfinity race also went really, really well. Uh, as everyone knows, that race was run during during the day. We never got into the in into the night there, but that was a pretty good race, also, wasn't it, bro? Yeah, 
Um, Tyler Reddick led something like, well, I saw like about 138 laps or something like that in that event. He was fairly dominating throughout the entire race. And, and Christopher Bell, you know, again, you know, the Toyota seemed to be the ones having the problems yet again with their tires. And uh, Christopher Bell, um, you know, the tire blew out, wrecked in the car, and it was, uh, you know, put him out for the day. But, you know, we saw a lot of other cars in that race, too. Blow tires, get up into the fence multiple times. Even Tyler Reddick did it himself. Um, but it it was just, it was it was interesting to see how, how these bodies really get hauled up. Yeah, exactly. And, Stephen, let's listen to a little bit about uh, what the race winner there at Charlotte Motor Speedway, Tyler Reddick, winner of the 38th annual ASCO 300, had to say in the media center there at Charlotte Motor Speedway. We're also joined by, or I should say Tyler Reddick, a race winner, joined by crew chief Randall Burnett and team owner Richard Childers. So we'll take questions for them. If you have one, please raise your hand, say your name and affiliation. We have a media center full. We'll start over here with Jerry. Jerry Jordan, kicking the tires. I got two. Just talk about the, how hot it was out there to uh, be able to close the, the, the deal today, and then I'll follow up in a second. Well, I got to admit, um, these guys may do too good of a job of keeping uh, the AC units in our cars running really good. I felt great all race long uh, here a year ago, and in some of these really hot racetracks, I was just slapping out in the middle of the race and just getting real hot. Um, but I felt great all race long. Um, I, maybe maybe we're pulling a little bit too much horsepower out of our engines with these AC units, but they kept me in the seat all race long. I felt really, really good. Um, I knew it was hot out there, but I got way hotter once I got out of the car and started drinking a bunch of Twisted Teas. I got a little lightheaded, and I'm doing better now I'm in the in, inside the AC. And also, do you have to give Wayne a cut for having a space on the beast? I mean, it was it was on the car and in the garage and, uh, you know, going through tech. I don't know if we got it back on there in time going back through LIS, but uh, it wasn't on the track. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try and keep his face on the car whenever it's in the garage. <laughs> All right, continue with questions. Okay, up front. Greg. Greg Ingalata Week, um, I know you just, you're early in your career, Tyler. Congratulations on the win. Um, and you need more twisted tea now. But um, <laughs> do you feel like Charlotte kind of owed you something? And, and it kind of, you kind of were able to get back at it today in a way because you, you, you led the most laps and you had the car to beat. Uh, you know, no, I just was – I've been very disrespectful to her, actually, the first two races I was here going up and bouncing off the walls and doing all sorts of things I shouldn't have. Um, but it gave me a lot to go off of coming back into this race. Uh, I'd forgotten how well I'd run here a year ago, and I remember how good we were here my first time here two years ago, but we just didn't have it work out at the end of the race. Uh, but but this time around, I remembered all the dumb things I'd done in years prior and just told myself, all right, well, I better stay out of the wall if I want to try and have a good run today. And I, I think I did that. I don't know how, but we did. So, um, you know, hats off to the guys for giving me a car that could draft so good and allow me to be that aggressive but yet keep it off the wall. So our Tames V Chevrolet was just outstanding. Uh, we had a two-week two off period, and instead of, you know, going on vacation and goofing off, they worked really, really, really hard on our race cars. and it showed from lap one in practice when we came back in here Thursday. So it's really proud of the effort of the, the guys back at the shop and he, the guys that come to the racetrack and work on this car. They did an unbelievable job uh, in that two-week off period. They put in uh, unreal amounts of efforts and made massive gains. All right, Jacob. Jacob Snowman, Speed Sport. I got two for you, Tyler. Uh, first, 10 top 10s already this season, two wins now. It did, 
did you come in with a chip on your shoulder feeling like you had something to prove after moving over from junior motorsports? Because this is, this is as consistent as I think we've seen you since you got to this level. Well, I mean, didn't I hear you on Wednesday night in Millbridge, right? You were announcing? Yes. I thought you did a great job, by the way. I loved your Thanks, excitement. Tyler. I was watching the pay-per-view. You did an outstanding job. It was Jeremy entertaining. That, dude. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but thanks, no, uh, you know, I, I just honed in on what I needed to do better. Uh, I got to give credit to Dave Ellens and, and those guys on the nine card, you know, they, they kind of let me do my own thing over the summer. And we, by the time we got to playoffs, uh, we realized we were not on the right path and Dave settled me down, kind of got me on the path I needed to be and kind of re re honed in the way I need to approach every single race. And I think ever since then, I've done a really good job of trying to keep it within that realm and be smarter instead of just going all out every single lap um, and making mistakes here and there. I've just tried to pull it back a little bit um, and do a little bit more working on a car, making it better, you know, bring back clean race cars to the, to the shop so the guys can get right back to work instead of repairing them. And uh, it paid off today for our Team of the Beast Chevrolet for sure. To have this kind of a consistent start, now going into the summer where you guys did struggle last year, how do you not get complacent and keep this run going so you keep the road to the championship going through you guys? I mean, I'm just pumped. I mean, this is a place that I didn't, I didn't feel very good about. I, I'm not going to lie, two weeks, uh, two weeks ago after we got out of Dover, you know, I forgot Charlotte is a mile and a half. It just, it's so much different than a lot of the places we go that I just don't look at it the same way. And I've just struggled really hard at getting good finishes here in the past. And uh, we, the guys did a great job working on our cars, and I just tried to focus on what I needed to do to get to the end. And it just seemed like I needed to keep it out of the fence and bring home one piece. And uh, we were able to do that today. And uh, if we can keep that rolling going into Pocono, going into Michigan, two places I'm, I'm not too sure about, uh, like I was with this one coming in two weeks ago, uh, we, we should be pretty good at those places as well. All right, we're going to go click up to the press box. Go ahead. Well, I think it was really important for us. Um, we'd had some stuff that we'd want been wanting to try and, and we got that win at Talladega and felt a little more comfortable getting out of our box and trying to make our cars better going forward so we can when we get into the playoffs they're better and and we've had two weeks off and we've had a lot of great ideas and we've tried a lot of stuff we spent some time with uh, Tyler on the simulator trying to work out some setup ideas and things like that so um, the guys at the shop man they they built this car it was a beautiful race car um, ECR engines done a, a fabulous job so uh, we, we brought a really, really fast car and unloaded really well, and, and that goes to credit at, at RCR and, and ECR, all the people there that, that put their hands on this. Yeah, that was a great motor. It, it had too much horsepower in those restarts when it was hot out there today, but, man, it would pull once I got hooked up. You know, we're planning on running a couple of more races with him. And uh, the last cup race, he ended up uh, ninth. He did a great job. He has a talent. He will be a superstar in NASCAR in the cup division. And we want him to be at RCR doing it. But we're so proud of, of what he's been able to come over and do. And Randall and that whole race team has just done a wonderful job. I'm really proud of him. All right, we're going to come back down and go to Bob and then to Peter. Bob Hockers, Fox Sports. Randall, will things change a whole lot next for the next couple of weeks when the cup teams qualify between the Xfinity qualifying and the race? So will some people
people said track could be more consistent from, from qualifying to the race, but also potentially less tire rubber? Well, I, I think it'll be more even from the front to the rear of the field. You know, like we had a good draw today. Um, we, we missed our lap a little bit, but we had a good draw today. And uh, so it, it was it was eye-opening to see the 20 and the, and the double zero be able to outrun us because, as you've seen today, it just keeps getting hotter and hotter. And on Saturday mornings, that's that's a big thing for us, you know, going back to that style of qualifying. So it'll definitely be interesting to see, you know, what happens with that type of schedule. And, Stephen, that was uh, Tyler Riddick there after winning the 38th round of the high school 300 sharp most in, in in the media center. And he mentioned hot too. That's what everybody talked about was hot this weekend. But I want to talk. I want to talk a little bit about. I want to let you talk a little bit about Austin Dillon. Uh, Austin Dillon had to get out of his Xfinity car Saturday, and they put Daniel Hamrick in there. And there was a lot of questions in the media center about the carbon monoxide that was coming up into the car, about them about them putting a uh, Richard Childers Cup driver Daniel Hamrick into the car after Austin had all that stuff going on too. Then you had both. RCR drivers so accessible to the carbon monoxide that was coming into the car with uh, Austin. Yeah, so uh, Austin down in the car had gotten in the cobalt multiple times sustained damage to it, which um, broke the crush panel inside the car around the uh, around the exhaust. Um, <clears throat> so with that, it, there was carbon monoxide coming up into the car and well, Austin Dillon was uh, feeling the uh, fatigue um, that is associated with uh, both heat and the carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, so the reason why Daniel Hemrick was put in the car is that uh, College Racing has a engineering partnership with RCR and works out of their old Xfinity Series garage. So. Um, you know, with uh, uh, Ross Chastain in another car, which is College Racing, one of College Racing's drivers, um, you know, they they turn to another RCR <coughs> driver uh, to get in that car and finish the race out. Um, they did have some issues sustained where they had to uh, um, get the car um, refired. They were having problems. They had to take it back to the garage. And uh, Daniel Hemrick overall only ran about 20-some-odd laps, maybe. 30 laps at most, so, um, it, um, you know, carbon monoxide poisoning can be on set pretty quickly, um, but, um, you know, they, they, uh, they did take it to the garage and get it fixed up at least enough and get it refired to go out there, and it was a point kind of set deal for them, um, not points, but a sponsorship partnership deal where, um, you know, they were just trying to give it their all. Um, for the sponsors that were on the weekend. And Stephen, before we go on to the uh, talk about the Coke 600 there at Charlotte Motor Speedway, the longest race of the year, I want to talk a little bit about uh, NASCAR artist Sam Bass and his family were honored prior to the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, you know, we lost Sam back a while back, and uh, his uh, wife and two kids were there. And Charlotte Motor Speedway, they actually uh, – they actually redone the program for this 60th running, this historic 60th running, with a ton of stuff that Sam had done for the program originally. Can you talk a little bit about that and how much Sam Bass meant to to the sport and our NASCAR family? 
Yeah, so Sam Bass did, I think Marcus said, something around 60-odd different programs and events for them. Um, so what they did is they took it all together, put it all together, and put it on two posters uh, within the program um, dedicated to his honor um, and, and all the work that he had done with Charlotte Motor Speedway over the years. And I think you actually have one of their programs, don't you, both? I have one of the programs that were uh, given out to us, yes. Simple. And, again, uh, one more note that come out to us. Speedway Motorsports Incorporated introduced the Welcome Home Patriots Initiative. And, Stephen, that's something that, uh, you know, which NASCAR has always been big in remembering the fallen, remembering our our armed service members that have give the ultimate sacrifice. But uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, but we had a guy there that was a uh, that was a veteran, and they presented him with one of them. Uh, I think he lost one leg, one leg and a half a leg or something. To, you know, and don't quote me on that. But they presented him with a with a one of them wheelchairs with them tracks on it. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I have some eyes now putting together our program because there's so many pictures that come out of the armed forces and there's no really transitional um, way for them to come out and re-enter society and civilian society. So I have some eyes putting together this program that will allow veterans to integrate back into civilian society by giving them opportunities um, within their company. Um, as, a, as a transitional means. Um, this is a private enterprise building off what the military has tried to accomplish through the VA and through other public and private nonprofit partnerships. And this just extends to that work of reintegration, reintegrating soldiers and veterans that have fought uh, back into society. And many of these veterans have PTSD. They have addictions. They have other things that they've had to cope with over time. And SMI is giving them opportunities to um, rebuild their life and get back um, into civilian life. So that will be just like any other addiction program. They'll have counselors. They'll have sponsors that these people can talk to, um, job opportunities and job training. Um, so this is just an all-around program that they are extending to those that have fought for us and our freedoms. I didn't really um, get to see the uh, the the um, wheelchair device that was given out to to a soldier. Um, I, I saw a picture later on of it, um, and it, um, it's basically a wheelchair that will extend his capacities. Um, a wounded soldier to to be able to um, be more get more get more activity out of his life and have a more wholesome life. But uh, I can't really tell you much about the wheelchair because uh, I I didn't see it and I I didn't hear the press conference surrounding it. And to add to your quote, there, yes, Suzanne and I we were down in the midst and we actually got to see this uh, wheelchair given to this veteran that uh, that gave a lot and I can't remember his name and I'm not I've been searching through notes trying to find it but yes Stephen it was a uh, 
this was one of them, I guess you'd call it a four-wheel drive wheelchair, if per se that, and it was pretty awesome deal to seeing, seeing him get that, his wife and all them being there. That was a really cool deal, Stephen. And before we go on into the cup side of it, we had some breaking news coming out of DGR Crosley today, Stephen. Uh, uh, Ty Gibbs has picked up some additional k and Pro Series East races there with DGR Crosley. And I'm going to give you time to bring that up. They announced today that Ty Gibbs has picked up six additional six additional additional races in NASCAR Canyon Pro Series East driver driving the team's number 17 uh, Monster Energy Toyota Cup Monster Energy Toyota Camry. He will compete in Memphis International Raceway this weekend alongside teammates Tanner Gray and Drew Dollar. Do you have any any uh, any thoughts to come out there to to sort of help us figure out how that deal went on, Stephen, there with Ty Gibbs. So, <clears throat> so this is a this is again extending partnerships from JGR. Um, Ty Gibbs has um, been bouncing between the ARCA series. He had a win earlier this year at uh, Myrtle Beach um, in a late model. Um, so, you know, Ty is an overcoming driver that's getting seat time out there. Um, you know they're they're uh, they're giving him an opportunity um, to extend some more seat time um, with with a with a uh, look forward to running full time in one of the series. Let everyone know Ty Gibbs is the grandson of the coach Joe Gibbs Racing there. And Stephen, let's uh let's go on into the uh, the NASCAR side of it. Let's go into uh, Martin Truex Jr. I think this is his third Coke 600 victory. I can't remember, but uh, before we get talking about it, I want to go ahead and play some of the media center audio there to sort of let our listeners know about what all he talked about, and then you and I will discuss his interview in just a moment. But uh, again, uh, the number to call in is 215-383-3681. I'm Tim Despain, alongside SpeedwayDigest.com, with Stephen Wilson. And we're going to listen to... Uh, Marjorie Jr., after he won the Coke 600 this past weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway. All right. We've now been joined by our race-winning crew chief, Cole Pern, and race-winning team owner, Coach Joe Gibbs, of the driver, or I should say, of the number 19 Bass Pro Shops tracker, ATVs, and Boats Toyota. Um, we'll start with questions. I know we're kind of late tonight and on deadline, so we're going to go straight to questions for Cole or Coach. All right. We'll start up front with Al. Coach Gibbs, Al Pierce from Auto Week. The obvious question, what's the bigger deal, tonight or Wednesday? <laughs> or Wednesday? I'm trying to think what happened Wednesday. Of a host. It's been a long day, well, Joe. Obviously, I'm excited about tonight. <laughs> now, for me personally, obviously, the Hall of Fame is such a huge deal. Everybody, this is a good example of how I get pushed out front and get a chance to be in the Hall of Fame when it, you got race teams like this, crew chiefs like this, and drivers and everybody. It was a great effort tonight by everybody. Our pit crew, I think Cole will talk about everything, but just a thrill for me to be a part of it. I'm thrilled to be going in the Hall of Fame and just a, a great time for us. I think about, you know, how much God's blessed me and how much I miss J.D., Got Coy here with me, and for our family and everything, it's just a huge deal for us and the racing family at Joe Gibbs. All right, we'll continue with questions. 
We'll go to Pete. Pete Iacobelli, Associated Press. Cole, um, how serious was that tire problem early, or were you just telling, were you just keeping Martin calm there early on, or was it, uh, obviously it was a doable situation to get back? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess it looks doable now, but, you know, at the time it was, uh, yeah, not good. We, uh, you know, we sustained quite a bit of damage there, and, and uh, you know, we're really fortunate enough that we blew the tire we did, and, you know, 20 feet earlier in the corner, we would have knocked the fence down and probably would have been out of the race. So, uh, you know, I, I think uh, we just felt really fortunate to still be in the race at that point. And then, uh, you know, really had to had to work on it a lot. Um, it wasn't uh, wasn't very good, you know, for from being as good as it was until when we blew the tire to uh, to afterwards, we uh, I don't think we've had to make as many adjustments as we had to make on it. Um, that car tonight was uh, it was crazy, um, and then we finally finally got on the other side of it, and then we're able to kind of keep up with it the rest of the night. But uh, you know, looking at it in victory lane after the race, I mean, it looked like we uh, got done racing at Martinsville. So you know, as much time as we spend you know tuning the bodies on these things and, and getting them aerodynamically perfect, it was uh, it was crazy to see the car. Uh, be that good um, and be that banged up. All right, we're going to go Bob, Kenny, and then Jordan. Bob? Bob Packers, Fox Sports had two for Cole. First, Goodyear told us that they recommended to you guys to raise air pressures. Uh, did you do that? Yeah, yeah, we did for sure. I mean, obviously, when you're in those scenarios when they're all popping, um, it's probably too much camber and too low air. It's not real rocket science when it comes to that. So we had to had to react and then and then rebalance the car around being higher on air. And I was trying to listen to your radio near the end of the race, and I couldn't quite figure out what were you asking the 38 to do. Were you asking them to drop back to you, or were you asking them to move? Can you kind oh, of I was just point? hoping they would take the top. You know, I was uh, I didn't want to have to be like stuck uh, stuck beyond the bottom of them um, on the bottom going into one. So. You never know; those are going to play out, but uh, you know, you uh, you just try and do uh, everything you can uh, to give yourself the best chance to win. All right, Kenny. Kenny Bruce with KennyBruce.net. Cole, did the track change much tonight? A couple of guys I talked to said they were surprised that that it really didn't change much, and they were adjusting, figuring that it was going to, and then it didn't, and they found themselves kind of playing catch up. Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, probably the wrong guy to ask on that. We had to, you know, I think we were so focused on what we had going on balance-wise, we had to keep adjusting on it. Yes, you know, I don't know if that was the track or or just just having to to compensate the damage. You know, nine knocked us in the left rear and and reflattened that, and we had tire rub there. I mean, uh, you know, we've uh, we had we had to do a play on the last pit stop just to get that pulled out, like we were doing an adjustment just to to get it off the tire. So I don't know. We uh, we wrenched on it about every stop. All right, turn the microphone back to Jordan, please. Jordan Bianchi, The Athletic. Cole, a uh, mile and a half racetracks have kind of been your bread and butter for the last few years. This year, kind of hit or miss. It seems like you kind of got your mojo back a little bit. Is that fair to say? Yeah, we. Uh, it's not been good for us, you know, here lately. I think, uh, you know, we had a couple bad races at Texas and Kansas and, you know, just trying to figure out this uh this new package you know it's been uh, it's been a challenge and you know you kind of go down a path and you know those uh you know these weekends uh, how quick they go you're kind of stuck with uh with what you brought and it doesn't work and you're kind of in trouble so it was uh it's been that way and we just kind of 
refocused uh, coming here with kind of a different game plan and, and uh, really, you know, took a positive attitude to it and, and try and figure out what, what Martin needed. We worked on him a lot to, you know, embrace the package and, and drive it in a different way and, and he did he did perfect tonight and, and we did better for him and uh you know when you can when you can compliment each other and both do better it just uh you know it shows a sign of how good a team we have. All right. Any questions upstairs in the press box? Okay, please go ahead. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we've uh, had probably a rough couple of weeks as far as that goes and, uh, you know, took kind of a, a different approach this time and felt like we just tried to learn from our mistakes that we had made before and, and it seemed to go a lot better. You know, we, uh, I think for really the first time in a while, we, we came off the truck on Thursday and the balance was, was really close and everything was decent. So it was a, it was a good feel for us that way and, you know, it kind of continued into Saturday and then, you know, we made the right adjustments going into today. So it was a, you know, for sure, uh, a first first uh, weekend with kind of this 550 package, we've we've done that in a while, and uh, feels good. I mean, we, you know, you just I don't know. You, the other weekends that didn't go good, you're you're trying to get better, and and you do uh, what you think is right, and sometimes you go down a bad path, and you got to live with it. So, you know, we uh, we just worked on it and and came with a better plan, and and obviously it went better. All right, go ahead. Uh, Steve Reed from Associated Press. Joe, I was just curious what you thought of the uh, the pass, the four wide pass there. I got to tell you, uh, I looked up several. I was so there was so much happening tonight, and by the way, a great crowd. I really thought that was great for our sport, and uh, there's a lot of action on the track for sure. I was trying to keep track of our stuff because. Uh, we had three of our cars kept bouncing off the wall, and I think we finally wound up with our fourth car bouncing off at one point. I was trying to keep up with all that, but I do think some of the restarts and everything I saw, everybody was talking about it, that you got four abreast there a couple of times. And so I, I felt like for the weekend, just really super for our sport. A great, great attendance. I think it was an exciting race for a lot of, a lot of ways. Uh, and so I, I thought it was a big deal for us, and I think a big a, a big step forward for our racing, too. I think this year we're off to a good start in a lot of ways. We've had good racing. It's been close, and certainly tonight I think is one of our best nights. All right, we'll continue with questions down here. Um, if we can get a mic here in the middle, we'll go. Yep, Brendan. We'll start with Brendan, Chase, and then Jerry. Hang with me. There's a lot of questions. I'll get to everybody. Go ahead. Hey, Cole, congratulations. Brendan Marks from the Charlotte Observer. I know the race just ended, but how do you compare this win to the one back in 2016, and is one or the other more gratifying for any reason? Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, Yeah, it's crazy to think back. Uh, that was three years ago. Um, you know, that was just such a perfect night and uh, so special in its own way. I mean, uh, tonight was nothing like, uh, nothing like that night uh, in any situation, but, uh, you know, for us to – you know, kind of been as struggling like we've been on the on this on this package, and then have to regroup and then come here. You know, 
with a different plan and and uh, and come out stronger and, and have to win the race coming from behind like that is uh, this one will definitely be one uh, pretty special. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you compare the two of them. This uh, we've had a really good run in the Coke 600s. I think uh, you know that's our fifth straight like top five or something like that. And uh, to get another one is uh, is really cool. It's such a fun race to win. All right, Chase, go ahead. Chase Wolf, NASCAR.com. This one's for Cole. Um, so after talking with, with Martin in victory lane, he said that the trouble early in the race kind of forced you guys to be more aggressive with, with the, uh, changing the car throughout the rest of the race. Would you agree with that? Yeah, we weren't, uh, you know, we weren't doing quarter rounds and half rounds and stuff like that. We were doing uh, multiple rounds and, and multiple times. So it was, uh, you know, it was a lot and, you know, just, trying to figure out what was going on with the tires and you know we it was the same batch number that was that was popping so we were trying to sort them off the right front and we couldn't really do that because we had so many of them and we had a couple runs there where we just had to sit with our butt cheeks clenched together and hoping it wasn't going to blow again and yeah there was a there was a lot going on that's for sure all right we'll go peter and then jacob we can get our microphone back to peter thank you Peter Strada, TSJ Sports. Cole, what's it mean to win just days after your boss goes into the Hall of Fame? Oh uh, yeah, really cool. Um, you know, uh, I just just happy that we're uh, we're delivering. You know, they uh, obviously coach and everybody at JGR made a you know a big stretch to to bring Martin and I in and our team and uh, you know have welcomed us with open arms. So uh, you know, just gives you an insight in the short time that we've been there how special of an organization it is and, and what special people they are. You know. Uh, for us early on, I mean, a lot of times, you know, coach would call and give me a motivational speech even when I didn't know I needed one. And, you know, you come away, uh, you know, ready to conquer the world. So I think uh, just being able to be a part of uh, of that organization and, and be able to deliver and now, uh, you know, get some 19 wind banners up on the shop wall is uh, is a great feeling. All right, Jacob, go ahead. Jacob Seelman, Speed Sport, uh, one for each of you. First for coach, uh, with bringing Martin on this year, I know – you obviously hired him expecting performances like what he's been able to do, but did did you expect the transition for him over to the 19 team to be as seamless as it seemed to have been with three wins in the first 12 now? Well, we were so excited. Uh, and Toyota, I just want to say a big thanks to them. They're always a big part of that strategy-wise. And, of course, uh, by the fact that Cole and everything that happened with the 78 with Martin, they were in the Toyota camp a big deal for us and certainly we didn't want to lose them because you know you could see how talented they were and so it was it was a big deal for us but I you know you never know when you make a move like that it's a big deal um, and I think particularly for them Cole and Martin you know working in a small group in a small environment I was kind of worried when they came over with us is, is that going to bother them but certainly, I think you can kind of see they've hit their stride, and it's obviously great for us. I think in our technical meetings, I'll say this, all four of our teams sharing everything, drivers, crew chiefs, and not every, nobody holds anything back. And I think it's the, the thrill of really this sport, which I really love, uh, you know, it's very unusual. you got four teams and four teams that have to work together. That's real teamwork. And, you know, it's hard to get done. 
Our guys, I got to tell you, I think they uh, really respect each other. The drivers do, the crew chiefs do, and of course that makes a big difference. And we got a great support group there that just works their guts up. And for Cole, kind of playing off that, uh, I'm kind of hidden over here to your left behind Caleb. Yeah, there we go. Um, do you feel like the transition's gone as seamlessly as you've made it look? And to add to that, I mean, have you ever had a driver like Martin before where you, you two just seem to work so well together and click like you have? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I guess the first part, um, yeah, the transitions, uh, yeah, looking at it now, it's it's going well, but it's uh, it's come with a lot of hard work. It's been a lot of an adjustment, um, you know, but uh, – you know, you land, when you land in a in a company like that we did, it's uh, you know you just got to thank your blessings and just realize how fortunate you are that uh, you know we could easily been out of a job and you know here we are uh, with a great organization and we're winning races. So uh, just incredibly thankful for that. And you know, for me and Martin, um, yeah, it was, uh, it's just it's always been uh, an easy relationship between the two of us. And uh, you know, I think. I never, never, ever dreamt, you know, that when, uh, you know, kind of took over as crew chief that we'd be sitting here with, you know, as many wins as we've had together. It just still blows my mind. Uh, you know, seems uh, seem, seem like we were just hoping that we could knock out some top tens. And, you know, looking back, what we've been able to do is uh, is great. And just, uh, just so fortunate to work with so many specialty people on our team and then now be part of a bigger organization with that many more special people. It's uh it's really cool. People are uh, everything that makes a sport and makes a team, so it's uh, it's really cool. All right. Deb, we can get a microphone to Deb, please. Deb Williams, theracingtoday.com. This is for Cole. Uh, would you please detail the damage that occurred on the car when it hit the wall after it cut that tire? Yeah, obviously knocked, uh, you know, both right sides, uh, fenders, you know, wheel openings in on the tires. So we had to clear clearance those, um, you know, fortunately we didn't break anything suspension wise. And then, you know, we knocked the left rear in later in the race and nine got into us and we, uh, we had to clearance that. So really it was just a, it was a matter of just getting all the tires clear. And then, you know, obviously the arrow balance was, uh, a lot, appeared to be a lot more to the rear. We had to, we had to free the car up a ton to kind of get the balance back. So it was, uh, so hard when you're when you're doing that to a tight car you know you don't know if you're a percent too tight or two percent too tight or five percent too tight so we just uh, we kind of take stabs at it and and narrowed in on it and, and we're fortunate enough to get it balanced all right we're going to take our final question for cole and coach actually we'll take two more one upstairs in the press box and we'll come back down and take one from brendan go ahead in the press box Okay, thank you. We'll come back down. Hey, Cole, just to go back to something that Coach said. He said that, you know, this is one of the races that was more exciting that he can remember. This is the one that sort of stands out. Do you sort of agree with that sentiment from your perspective? How did this shake out in the in the spectrum of races that we've had so far this year with this package? Oh, if, I mean, for us, yeah, it's easiest, the wildest race we've ever won. Um, you know, I think uh, I was just really happy that we were going to be able to run and maybe we could – you know, nurse out a, a good finish, and then somehow we, you know, we fought through it and end up winning the stage and, and winning the race. So just uh, easily the the most wildest one I've been been part of, and you know, I think that's inherent with this uh, with this rule with this rules package for sure. All right, Greg, go ahead. Greg Ingalato week, um, coaches for you. Congratulations on your Hall of Fame. Um, as a manager, and obviously you're 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 kind of good at it. 
Um, you talk about, you know, Cole's talk about what he gets from the organization, what they get from the organization. What did these guys bring you to your organization that maybe that maybe helped, um, you know, with the culture or anything within the within your team? No, actually, uh, the thing that I mentioned there, having four teams, uh, when we were able to bring Cole over, so you got somebody that's real talented. And then by him fitting in the way he did with our other crew chiefs, that's the kind of a core group that's making a lot of decisions for us. And so I think it really lifted our program. And then when you look at the other part of it, then you got Martin fitting in with Eric, Denny, and Kyle. And I think he did the same thing there with our drivers. Uh, I think the four guys really respect each other. And like I mentioned, Cole, and the crew chiefs, when you get that going for yourself, the chemistry there, then what you do is you kind of lift the whole program. And like I mentioned, it's so hard, um, I think, at least my experience has been with four teams, it's hard. Uh, you know, normally there's somebody upset, somebody's not running well, and then at times it's hard to get four groups to work together. We've been fortunate, I think, uh, Cole would testify to the fact that we got a real, real neat group of guys together, and that's how you win with good people and good teammates. Steve Evans, coach in the Talbot area in the media center. Uh, we didn't get to Bard Truex Jr. because the media that was a long interview. But Stephen, I, I want to pose a question to you there, right there at the end. Greg Engel posed a question to uh, coach about him bringing uh, Cole Pern over with the program from Furniture Row Racing. Do you think Cole Pern is – which I, that's probably a stupid question. I'm not going to ask it. But Cole Pern has a lot to do with Mark Truex. They've been together for a long time. Not as not as long as uh, Chad Knauss and uh, Jimmy Johnson has, but that's a good pair in there. And I think Joe Gibbs Racing hit an A-plus on that bringing – Cole and Martin over to Joe Gibbs Racing. Yeah, um, you know, that was one of the common common themes in the you know, preceding seasons before Furniture Row Racing shut down was that, you know, they were getting cars and engines and support from JGR and they were beating them week in and week out. So, you know, Cole Pern and everybody over there, um, seemed to have something that JGO was lacking um, in in setup and you know uh, you know just different things that they were doing to the cars that were being provided to them. Um, so you know bringing them in house was was an effort in in which to um, strengthen JGR as a whole uh, and particularly I think you can look at it in the fact of when your competition that is buying your equipment is outrunning you. Um, you, you. You do what most people would do. You buy them out, or you put them out of business, and you bring them over to your to, to into your house and strengthen your team. And you know, I don't think it was necessarily true that um, Jago's racing and Jago's himself were actively seeking to put Furniture Row Racing out of business. But in one respect, you know, you have to look at the fact that they they were running much better than JGR, and, and 
You know, they wanted that information, and the only way to get that information is bring them in the house, and that's exactly what they did. And, Stephen, before we jump out of here, we're going to Pocono Raceway this weekend. Uh, the Chicken Triangle. Uh, you and I talked earlier. I know you have the TV uh, Times radio times for the, the schedule at Pocono. Can you go and let all of us know about that? Yeah, uh, so this weekend, well, I had it here. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> so we've got, uh, let's see, what do we got going on tonight? We had, uh, oh, we got uh, Arkham Art Series on Friday. Qualifying at 12 noon for them. Uh, Arc race is at 530, 80 laps, 200 miles for them. That would be on FS1. Uh, on Friday, 1135, uh, oh, 1005 Xfinity Series qualifying, one lap all positions for that. Be followed up Cup Series qualifying, single lap all positions for that one at 1135 Xfinity Series racing. Um, from the Detroit Triangle, 100 lap, 250 miles for them. FS1 has coverage for that. And then on Sunday, the Pocono 400, uh, 160 laps, 400 miles, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series uh, racing on FS1. Uh, MRN has called Sirius XM Radio, uh, and uh, you'll get all the information, all the uh, TV times. Uh, oh, that's at 2 o'clock. Sorry, 2 o'clock on uh, Sunday. And I would like to thank uh, everybody at Charlotte Motor Speedway, uh, Mr. Coleman, and all that bunch up there. I want to thank them for allowing you and I to uh, join in for the sixth run of the Coke 600 and cover all that, Stephen. And, again, uh, before we jump out of here, I'm Tim Despain. He's Stephen Wilson, SpeedwayDigest.com. Stephen, let everyone know if they can follow you on social media and your website. Follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter. Facebook.com slash Speedway Digest. That's SpeedwayDigest.com. Stephen, thank you very much. And let, the, to let our listeners know, uh, next Tuesday evening, uh, I'm trying to get uh, Tony Gibson from uh, Stuart Haas Race and see if he can join us Tuesday evening. That would be a cool interview there. But again, Stephen, thank you very much for everything you and AM do for the sport. Thank you very much for supporting my website. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, like I said, the number earlier was to call in 215-338-3681. But we're fixing to jump out of here. So uh, we're going to say good night from uh, Talladega, Alabama, and uh, Richmond Raceway, where Stephen Wilson is. And I want to thank my darling wife, Suzanne, for man, the phone lines. And Stephen, I want to thank your darling wife, AM, for everything that she does for the sport. So, again, we're going to say good night from Talladega, Alabama.
Raceway is 
summertime. It's where kids are free and everyone's welcome to camp out for the weekend. It's where fans can shake hands with the most famous drivers on earth. It's where tailgating is serious business. It's where first-timers hang out with old-timers. And the racing is always a little tricky. Bring your friends. Bring your family. Just bring it. Pocono style. The Pocono 400, May 31st through June 2nd. Get your NASCAR tickets today at PoconoRaceway.com. 